everyone. Welcome back to For the Girls. This was our last race before the summer break, but we will definitely have some fun content coming for you in August. So we talked all about our silly season thoughts and predictions in this race's preview. So make sure to give that a listen if you haven't already, especially now that we are officially into silly season. And also we announced our Patreon giveaway winner on Patreon, but stay tuned for the end of this episode, we're going to go over some of y'all's favorite silly season hot takes. Uh, spoiler alert, they were amazing and hilarious, and I very much enjoyed reading them. With that, I'm Chessa. I'm Sarah. And I'm Tiggy. Okay, for main takeaways, school is out for the summer, officially. Uh, someone, shout out to Mahi, put a shirt in the Discord that said, quote, I survived the first half of the 2023 F1 season, and I feel that right now. <laughs> so congrats to all of us. <laughs> yeah. For this weekend specifically, there were just there were tons of different conditions and strategies at play. We had some new faces in the top three across both Saturday and Sunday with Oscar and Gasly for the sprint. And then Leclerc was back in the picture for Sunday, which was long awaited. Um, it was a bit anticlimactic for Mercedes. Unfortunately, Oscar and Signs on Sunday. Danny didn't have the best weekend, among others. But of course, another statement of dominance from Max, who started P6 and still finished 20 plus seconds ahead of the next. It's insane. We're be, we should just take Max out of the podcast for now. <laughs> Sarah wouldn't let us do that. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> But for Checo, who did come in P2, that was a really strong finish that he needed heading into summer break. Leaves us in a relatively predictable place in terms of Red Bull. But the second half of the season, I think, should be super exciting between Mercedes, McLaren, Ferrari, hopefully Aston Martin, maybe even Alpine. We'll see. Maybe Williams. We'll see. Everyone's (laughs) in the mix here. (laughs) Yeah, this was Max's eighth victory in a row, which is wild. And interestingly, the record for most wins in a row is currently held by Vettel with nine for Red Bull in 2013. It's kind of another reminder of when kind of this this a type of dominance is a bit unusual, but it definitely is kind of precedented in some of the earlier eras. So Max has a big opportunity after the break at his home Grand Prix to tie that record with Vettel. And it, it was a fun weekend. I think overall Saturday was more fun than Sunday, which set with such mixed and difficult conditions, some amazing racing in the sprint. Great to see Oscar and Gasly up there. And then nice on Sunday to see some flashes of greatness from the midfield, from Yuki, Ocon, Albon. Even if it didn't translate into big points for everyone, there was some really great racing in the midfield. Yeah, that's what it's all about. I think for me, you guys like obviously always have the best takeaways. But for me, I think this weekend showed the true entertainment value of the sprint race and like why we want to keep it. I think the race itself, if we had it alone, might have been a little bit boring. But the mix of the sprint shootout, the sprint, all the different rainy conditions, I think was really fun to watch, especially from a strategy perspective. And I think The main takeaways for me is Aston Martin continues to really slip down the order. Williams was looking so amazing. Ferrari had some moments at the beginning of the weekend of more consistency. And I think um, a little bit of a sad end note for McLaren on on Sunday, but it could start to the weekend for them. So let's do our MVPs. Like I just said, for me, it was Williams. Their straight line speed was incredible. Like even when DRS hadn't even been... um, turned on yet at the beginning of the race like the Williams looked like it had DRS so that was really exciting for me I'm gonna give it to 
Charles, even though he didn't have the most competition on Sunday, I think it was really, really great for him to be back up there to yeah, put it on that. pole. And yeah, just to have that result be on podium again, especially in a car and in a team that's proven relatively difficult. <laughs> and Ferrari put together a pretty clean strategy and race for him. So yeah, yeah, he did. He did well. And so did the team. My honorable mention for MVP is just kind of the overall management of the weekend, just from the FIA, stewards, marshals. There were a lot of mixed and changing conditions from the rain on Saturday. And then when Oscar had to retire, those marshals got the car out like in a split second. It was, I thought, really well handled. And especially given all the safety concerns surrounding Spa, I think they did a really good job with with what they had. Definitely. Mine is Ocon. He drove from P15 to P8. He had some amazing overtaking. The commentators were so excited, and he was following so closely through Roach, who was just doing amazing. Um, I think also especially just in the midst of so much turmoil for the team, it's impressive. He said in an interview (laughs) after how he got asked about it, and he just said, you know what, I'm just paid, and my job is to just – bring this car up as high as I can. That's what I'm focused on. Glad we could execute today. So I thought that was just a really good attitude and it was nice to get to see him shine a bit. And I also have an, have an extra shout out, which is burned Maylander, the safety car driver <laughs> of about 25 years. I was thinking that during the formation laps and the maybe four laps behind the safety car at the start of the sprint in some really dicey conditions. Does he even have the equivalent of wet tires and he's driving at like a hundred miles an hour? (laughs) He's crashing. I don't think the tires come off that car. (laughs) Circuits. Yeah. So I don't know. He was crushing it. He's a true MVP. He's great. Um, Okay. What about LVPs? Jinx. I think mine is going to be for science. He was, it was, Looking like a promising weekend for I had good pace, as we saw with Charles, they were kind of on it, able to put together a clean weekend, but he got really unlucky with pit lane traffic in the sprint, couldn't capitalize on that P3 start. And then after his lap one incident with Oscar in the race, just tumbled down the order in just very painful, slow fashion until he eventually <laughs> retired. So that was that was tough. Mine's going to be kind of along the same vein, not on the Ferrari side of things, but I think that whole... Um tumble at the beginning between the two of them that took Oscar out way earlier than we wanted to see him out was really a bummer for me. It was so sad. Yeah. That was heartbreaking. We'll talk about that incident in more detail and Carlos's comments on it and Oscar's radio immediately after. It was kind of differing takes on what happened there. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I'm sorry, Sarah, cover your ears. I'm going to give it to Max's radios during Sarah, the race. You have to agree with this one. <laughs> I... I would guess, Sarah, that your take is that like Lambiasi and Max have such a good rapport. It's like all fun and games to a certain degree. And like, that's fine not to put words in your mouth. But my take on it is like, I think that's true. But I just think, Max, when you're so far ahead, like you said, you've won, Sarah, you've won like eight races in a row. Sarah has won eight races in a row. (laughs) Sarah has won eight (laughs) races in a row, personally. Um, (laughs) I just feel like it warrants a little bit more maturity and a little bit more of a level head and having your engineer having to publicly tell you to like keep your head and you know the cheeky comment about the pit lane practice I just I was not a fan of that energy and that vibe personally I just felt like it could have warranted a little more maturity and grace but you know what Max said about that he said that 
like it was all fun and games sort of. And that's kind of like happens a lot, but usually just gets cut and we don't get to hear it, which makes me think about things like so differently now. Um, just an aside. Yeah, there's and, only we only get like a yeah, very right. small sliver of radio traffic exactly. for sure. But I thought this yeah, was it's interesting quite too. Spicy. I wonder too, which you can get for people who have F1 TV, you can go on individual driver dashes, which is really fun to watch where you can just watch one driver's view the whole race. So yeah, if you want to watch the whole race 20 times, you could get the full radio content for every single driver. But Sarah, is that how you watch the race just from Max's radio (laughs) from his helmet cam? A (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. Well, there wouldn't really be much to watch because there's There's never anyone in front of him just until you get to like lap 10 and then he's lapping all the other cars. All right, so let's funny. do let's do our hot takes. Um, Tiki, you go first. Uh, I said Oscar podium. I really was manifesting this for him at Spa, his favorite track, and he's been looking so good. I am very happy with the Saturday sprint results, though. It's not quite yeah. a, a race podium, but it's definitely that's partial huge. credit. Yeah, it, it is partial credit like, in the radio. I'll take this yeah. mini podium, top three, whatever it is. <laughs> He's like, I don't know if I'd call it a podium, but yes. <laughs> he was very cute in his interview afterwards. Uh, so yeah, happy with that, but very much a bummer, Jessa, to your point about the lap one incident. I think I said Danny in the points, so it's one of my more unfortunate <sighs> showings recently. Mm, nice. He was close, potentially, on Saturday. It was a bummer. Saturday Guys. was close. Saturday he looked good, but Sunday was a bit of a disaster, which we'll get into. So for me, I did really well. I had like 50% half credit on each one. So I had both Ferrari's top five, got Charles top five, and I had both Alpine's top 10, and I got one Alpine top 10. So not terrible, not great. For practice, FP1 and the only practice of the weekend, it was super rainy. It was Carlos followed by the McLarens. The fans were really committed, so committed all weekend in the rain. This is the first example of it, people with ponchos umbrellas just sticking it out the entire time this track was also really it's so reminiscent of austria but about twice the size which is interesting i feel like maybe we should make an appearance next summer yeah it's like the longest lap versus the shortest lap but that would be cool (laughs) you don't have to convince me it's my favorite track so i would love to go only if we get cute matching for the girls ponchos (laughs) for quali this Friday, so Friday Quali set the grid for Sunday's race. It was still wet for Quali, so everyone went out on inters in Q1. Uh, Q1 was just a flurry of chaos. There were a lot of last-minute tire changes, deleted laps. Lando had a huge high-speed gravel trip. And in the end there, we had Albon, Joe, Logan, Ricardo, and Hulkenberg knocked out. Um, it was very unfortunate for Danny. His fastest time, which would have gotten him into Q2, was deleted. So that was a big bummer for him. For Q2, the chaos was was continuing. The McLarens did look very strong, though, and it was really fascinating to watch because even though everyone was still on inters, there was a visible dry line on the racing line, and Oscar is doing or did really well in these mixed conditions. For the Red Bulls, it was not actually looking great. Checo was seventh here. Max barely made it into Q3. This is kind of the radio where he was like, I don't give a bleep, mate, if I'm through in P10. It's just bleep execution. Talk a little bit more about that, but he made it through, knocked out. We had Yuki, Gasly, K-Mag, Botas, and Akon after he had hit the barriers. 
For Q3, everyone went out on soft since the track had dried up, so definitely different conditions. The final top five, we have Max, Charles, Checo, Lewis, and Carlos. The McLarens ended P6 and P7 with Piastri, out-qualifying Lando for the second time this season. Max got P1, but he ended up starting P6 because he had a five-place grid penalty for taking a new gearbox, which put Charles on pole and Checo on the front row. The Max penalty... We were all just making bets, like, what lap will Max come out <laughs> in front? And really? I I said under five, which I was wrong about. He passed uh, lap six for – or he passed Hamilton lap six for right. P3. Yeah, he didn't pass Checo until lap 17, actually. Yeah. So, well, so a bit of a na- while. What do we call him? The National Minister of Defense, International Minister of Defense. So <laughs> – that makes sense. Well, it was funny. The There was a bit of a discussion on Friday when the weather was really bad because technically somewhere deep in the rule book, it says that if qualifying oh, yeah. can't take place because of weather, they'll the, the drivers will start in championship order or that's maybe the, the that was the way people were thinking it would be interpreted. And uh, Jolene Palmer was so funny. He was like, "They need. we need to put them in reverse order. Like, we absolutely <laughs> cannot start this race in championship order. <laughs> Change the rule book. Honestly, that would be incredible. If quali ever can't happen, literally just start them in reverse. That I would be that. so fun. Yeah. We I always love, love that. that. So for the sprint shootout and the sprint, these are the Saturday events that are kind of standalone. They do not impact Sunday's grid, um, right, because that was this Friday quali. So – the sprint shootout sets the grid for the sprint later that day. The conditions were even worse on Saturday, and the shootout was delayed 35 minutes. So by the time SQ1 got going, there was only like 12 minutes left for people to set their lap times. In SQ2, the track dried up a bit, but there was some drama when Aston Martin put Stroll on mediums. He spun out, hit the barriers, and caused a red flag. So he was basically the only one on non-inter tires. Um, so Aston Martin like- loves to do these bold – rain takes of not refusing to go on inters and keeping people on slicks and this was the alonzo in monaco of it being a disaster exactly yeah so he he caused a red flag and then danny albon sergeant stroll and alonzo were unable to set lap time so aston martin kind of like shot them both in the knee on that one i think (laughs) shot them both in the knee is that a saying shoot yourself in the foot is maybe what you're thinking (laughs) so the last leg of the shootout the circuit continued to dry out a bit the times were improving until the last second and the field was just insanely close so max got pulled by only 11 thousandths of a second ahead of Piastri in P2 and then 25 thousandths ahead of Signs in P3. So I love how close it's been. I know. Again, these just like these spreads are incredible. But the sprint race, this was just a strategy thriller. It was so good. As the grid got set up, it was just chaos because the weather conditions were really unclear. So teams were running around doing last minute tire changes pushing the tire carts around. Then it started pouring and it was delayed 45 minutes. And my favorite scene of that whole thing was the rainbow over the the track. It was just so Aww. beautiful. It was like raining on some parts of the track and not on others, but there was this beautiful rainbow across the entire circuit. How wholesome. I know. <laughs> and so the race started with several full laps behind the safety car with everyone on mandatory full wet tires and kind of key here is that in wet conditions, even on inters, DRS is not available. So there was no DRS during the race once it got underway. We were really happy to see, kind of as Tiggy mentioned in her MVP, the FIA, prioritizing safety here because we've talked a lot about this. 
there was enough grip and the track was dry enough to go racing. But the real issue is just the visibility and the spray because these cars are really heavy. They throw up a ton of spray. We saw this in Austria. It can even feel like it's not raining that much, like maybe a light drizzle and the spray is still very dramatic and the visibility can be really, really bad. So especially on the Kemmel straight, the visibility was really bad, which is part of why they stuck with having several laps, being a bit more conservative, getting off to that slow start. Yeah, I was seeing some memes uh, after the fact of some people being like, oh, this was the visibility was too poor to do this. And then some people were like, no one like F1 never races in wet conditions anymore. And they were showing videos of like the 1998 spa race where it was like every the whole entire field crashed. I know. I'm like, I feel like you're doing a good job as the FIA when you have both ends of that spectrum where people are saying that like you're not prioritizing safety enough and like basically you're being, you know too conservative so I feel like they landed in the middle in a good way yeah it was like a huge sigh of relief to see that everyone finished the weekend safely and especially since the start the the start finish straight and then there's the tight right hander in at turn one to the source and then it's flat out into Eau Rouge and the camel straight as they go up that hill up the elevation into the right hander and that's where the visibility was really bad and that's where the fatal accidents have been so yeah that's wild to me that people were criticizing FA. that's this. so sensationalist too like are they here to watch racing or are they here to watch a pile up okay that's like yeah that bothers me anyway so the race itself or the sprint itself it was a very very fun start it was obvious that everyone needed to get on to inters which are the higher performing or which are higher performing than the full wets but if everyone goes in and pits at once there will be traffic jams in the pit lanes also a struggle to double stack each of your drivers so at the start behind the safety car half the grid went in pitted immediately half stayed out max stayed out oscar immediately went in had a really nice clean stop and was able to avoid all of the pit lane pileups behind him. Um, yeah, behind him, there was huge traffic jams. Sign got kind of the short end of the stick there, which is a bummer given he had that P3 start. Um, meanwhile, Gasly was the huge pit lane winner, and he made a jump forward, actually, when he went in. And then this was such an exciting moment. There was a safety car from Alonso getting beached in the gravel, so that part was not exciting but because it was his first <laughs> Wasn't DNF it? of the season. It was also his birthday, which was really sad. <laughs> not so happy but birthday. what it led to, which is the exciting moment, is uh, Oscar led the race. He is, I think, the first rookie to have done that in a really long time. So he led his first laps leading. Yeah, it was his first time leading laps in F1. Unfortunately, after the safety car restart, he couldn't keep Max behind him. But who can? I was just so excited to see him out there in front and so cool for him. On lap six, unfortunately, there was some Checo and Lewis contact at turn 15. Hamilton was trying to make an overtake happen for P4. This was a bit controversial. Lewis got a five-second penalty for calling a collision. It was the start of a total disaster from Checo. He had damage, couldn't hang on, and had to retire. And then after the race, he just fully blamed Lewis and said Lewis just crashed into him, which he reiterated (laughs) He was like, he ripped the entire side of my car off. And I was there like, was okay. a big ga- gaping hole, but I I thought it was really harsh. And he Lewis also got two penalty points on his license for it. And <gasps> the Discord was going off on this. They were <laughs> not pleased about this penalty. Wow. Um, and I, I have to say, I kind of agree. It's interesting that Toto didn't appeal it and Mercedes didn't appeal it. So I wonder why. But yeah. I don't know. It seems kind of frustrating 
when others don't get penalties for doing similar things. I don't know. I feel like there needs to be a little bit more consistency in the way they dish it out. But as always, that's like the biggest thing. That <laughs> <laughs> if we had to write one letter to the FIA, it would just be like consistency, consistency period. <laughs> so because of all of this, this actually moved Danny up into the points at P8, which definitely got us a little bit exciting. He did his best, but not at all. He did not have the pace to hold off Russell, of course, um, and Akon, and so he ended up finishing P10. Pierre brought home the P3, though, which was so exciting. Mm-hmm. The crowd was so excited for for him and Oscar during the interviews, but it was really great to see. He was so thrilled. Alpine just needed a bright spot with Otmar getting replaced, a lot of turmoil and upper management, which we'll get into. And then rounding out the points, we had Sainz, Leclerc, Norris, Hamilton, and Russell. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Women's health is so important, and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. So for the race uh, on Sunday, there was a lot of overtaking and just fun mixed conditions. There was some rain in the middle of it, but overall, unfortunately, not the biggest thriller. We had Max just cruising out in front, but we did have some moments. 
For lap one, most of the field started on softs in the temporarily dry conditions. Charles had a really good start. He was ahead of Checo into turn one, but only managed to hold him off for a few corners, which was a bummer. But I think just as we've been seeing, no one can fight the Red Bull straight line speed. On overtakes, it just looks like they have extra boosters. And I always just think of that Toto comment of like, F2 cars racing an F1 car <laughs> or oh, wow. yeah, as crazy. someone DS Formula Zero versus Formula One. <laughs> yeah, like a F1 plus. Yeah. <laughs> it, it And it's so interesting that quality has gotten so tight and then something yeah. about race pace, especially with DRS and overtaking on straights, the Red Bull just is on another level. And I feel like that's also what is a little disappointing. I think it's a rational decision from everyone else to not defend very hard because as everyone says, it's just not their race. There's no point in wrecking your tires and potentially losing out to the person behind you fighting a valiant but totally pointless fight against a Red Bull. But then it is kind of sad to see these more or less kind of drive-bys where people aren't putting up the same type of defense that they would for another car. Agreed. But it is, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, they're in a whole nother world. Um, but the other teams are looking great. The midfield has been looking really great. Unfortunately for McLaren, they had kind of a tough day. The Oscar tried to throw it in on the inside of Signs right at turn one. He just didn't have the space. And most of you on Instagram said that this was a racing incident. One of you said it was a racing incident. But um, <laughs> it was we a- got actually a few DMs with that. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, love you all. But a very close number two said that you guys thought it was a signs error. So there was a lot of Piastri loyalty there, which I thought was interesting. Um, I was a little bit disappointed in signs' comments afterwards, basically chalking it up to Piastri's lack of experience, which no. I thought was rude. He said that? That's he mean. didn't say that in those explicit terms, but he was basically like, I've raced at Spa for seven or eight years. Like anyone – I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember the exact quote, but like anyone who – you know, has more experience at spa or something like knows that that sort of move always ends in a crash. And so oh. it was basically oh, that like was the, subtly, the subtext. Yeah. yeah, the subtext was that Oscar doesn't have the experience here, which Oscar has raced at spa before. So I, you know, I don't know. I think I feel like it was a little bit of a racing incident and I don't think it was Piastri's fault and signs did kind of turn in, but I don't know. Yeah, that that is rude. I never like it when drivers kind of make comments along those lines. It just feels a little unnecessary. Um, I do feel like it was a little bit optimistic from mm-hmm. Oscar, but I do think science squeezed him. Overall, I do think it was a racing incident. Just unfortunate. Both cars had damage. Piastri had to retire, and then science was just slowly passed car by car until <laughs> he had to retire halfway through the race. And Max was in the lead by lap 17 after starting P6 from taking a new gearbox. And then around lap 18, it started raining. I was hopeful that it would turn into kind of an inner situation and spice things up a bit, but it didn't. Everyone stayed on slicks, but it was really just extremely challenging conditions when it starts slightly raining and grip is deteriorating, but it's totally unclear lap by lap the rate at which it's going to deteriorate. Max almost wiped out through flat out through Eau Rouge at one point, which was wild. <laughs> was like, I almost lost it there. Jokes. And it started raining more, but never heavy enough to justify inters. I was impressed that everyone kept it on the track. I think it goes to show. And these conditions kind of all weekend, even drivers 
finishing at the back of the grid. Like it's still just such impressive talent and car control at certain points. All right. Let's talk about Red Bull. So as if we haven't already talked enough about I know. Red Bull. Let's skip Red Bull. <laughs> Veto from Sarah. I am her proxy <laughs> on that. Um, so after Max passed Checo, he, we do have to say, he made up almost a yeah. second per lap on Checo and finished over 20 seconds ahead of him, which I am happy that Checo came in at P2. I don't know if you all saw Helmet Marco's comments sort of pre as a precursor to the race, basically that Checo has, quote, woken up from his world championship dream, which I thought was a little brutal. Classic um, Helmet Marco, though. I mean, it's it true. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, that was a bummer. But we should talk. I want to hear, Sarah, your thoughts on the Max Lambiasi radios. I know we hit on it a little bit, but I'm curious your thoughts. It was interesting. There was really just something up in the way they were getting along. They normally, yeah, like Tiggy mentioned earlier, have kind of a famously good rapport. Lombiasi has been Max's race engineer every single race he's been in a Red Bull, like since day one at Red Bull. So they do generally kind of seem to be on the same wave, same wavelength and a bit closer than kind of some other engineers and drivers. But I don't know what was going on or if so one of them did something that upset the other one this weekend because it was just kind of constant. Max had been upset earlier in the weekend about not being able to make certain calls. And then I think Lombiasi was kind of trying to give him an opportunity, said, oh, there's potential rain. Are you going to be able to hang on on the softs? And Max is like, well, you have the radar. You tell me. <laughs> so, okay. And then I think we've seen this in a couple races, which – makes sense. They had a fight about Max pushing too hard where GP told him he was not being sensible pushing on the outlap, which kind of harsh, but fair. Um, and then asked him to be reasonable. And so I, I like that he keeps Max in line, but he, yeah, his language was definitely a bit harsh. Max then came back with, oh, I could just push and give some pit stop practice, do an extra <laughs> pit stop. And I like that GP lays down the law for the team. He was just like, absolutely not. No, no you're not doing that. Not this time. <laughs> yeah. So I like that he is saying this stuff like be, be sensible, whatever. And I get that it's really hard to kind of tell a world champion to slow down and not drive fast. So I think kind of part of the tension is from being in this unusual circumstance of like weekend after weekend, needing to try to tell a world championship driver to slow down is like not really the spot anyone wants to be in. But Christian in the press conference was interesting, kind of laughing it off. He said, Max is a demanding customer. You've got to be a strong character to deal with that. GP is our Jason Statham. That was my favorite part. Lookalike. <laughs> Jason Statham comparison for the win. <laughs> and then he said they're kind of like a married couple that occasionally needs counseling. <laughs> also true. Also true. If all else fails, like that's always the best thing to relate any tiff to. Like, oh, they'll be fine. Like, it's okay. Um, so hopefully they hugged and made up after the race and we'll have some vacay and come back fresh from the August break. <laughs> Maybe they need a honeymoon. Or something. For the yeah, they need a couple's retreat yeah. over break. No, that's <laughs> not what they need. But <laughs> for Ferrari, like we said, it was a pretty sad day for signs, but we're very happy with the solid podium for Charles. Once the Red Bull passed him, he did have a pretty lonely race just chugging along in P3. Again, it's just so crazy that the 
quality spreads can be so tight and then that once the race happens people can just be lonely up at the front um it was his own it was only his second podium in this summer swing the other was in austria so this is definitely a big result for him and you should feel really good and excited about that he has now tied botas for the unfortunate record of most poles without a driver's championship title sad oh no that's a brutal record which record is worse, that one or Hulkenberg having most starts with no podium? I think the Leclerc one is one. worse yeah. because it's not like Hulkenberg's been in a Ferrari or in a Mercedes or in a Red Bull, you know? Like yeah. Charles, I don't know. It's it's a bummer. Ferrari's really messed it up for him. But anyway, Mercedes, also not the best news here for them, so – I think the one bright spot was Hamilton pitting onto softs at the end there to get fastest lap, snagging it off Max. Every point counts, you know. <laughs> it prevented Max from getting a perfect weekend all around, pole for everything, sprint win, race win. Yeah. George had pretty good tire management throughout. He had a decent race, and I just think they both did what they could with the car. It seemed a bit inconsistent once again, but definitely showed some good pace finishing P4 and P6, so all good. Yeah, I think that was really a perfect example of where they can not have the best car, not be the happiest with it, but they're just so consistent on execution and can pull out a P4 and a P6, which also just speaks to the talent of the drivers, but I think it's in weekends like this where you really see kind of the difference with Ferrari. We're granted a lot of kind of what happened to science wasn't necessarily his fault. It was, I think, a decent bit of bad luck, but I think that's always a bit of a contrast. All right, guys, let's talk about Alpine. News of the weekend here is Otmar's out as team principal. He only had the job for 18 months after coming over from Aston Martin. This weekend was his last race. The sporting director also left, and so now there is an interim principal, Bruno Famine. He is the VP of Motorsports at Alpine, while they find a new one. So this is just one of many of the upper management shakeups that the team has been having in the past few weeks. Remember the Alpine CEO, Laurent Rossi, was being replaced or was replaced. Uh, so what do you guys think about this? Was this a good call? There is that rumor that Binotto could be the replacement. I think this is... <laughs> We always forget about silly season on the principal side of things, but that always happens too. So I think this was – I'm sad for Otmar. I don't think he necessarily deserved this. I think the Alpine has been a lot of bad luck, and I don't know how much of it was bad calls from his side. It's funny because the first text when this news broke that I think I sent you guys was, what if it's Bonotto, LOL. <laughs> and all these rumors are now circulating that he this is that it could be Bonotto. <laughs> the engine behind the rumor mill. No. <laughs> I think it's a tough call. It's like, it's hard to know really what's going on behind the scenes. He was, it was so, such a short-lived tenure. And we, we think about what happened with Bonotto, speaking of him, like at Ferrari, it's not like Ferrari's woes have improved by firing the team principal like I I know it takes a while to get you know for, for Fred Visser to get up to speed and all of that but like I just don't think firing the team principal is a, a band-aid fix or like you know a silver Definitely bullet not. for for teams that are struggling and honestly a lot of change at one time could just make it so much worse across the board I just I don't know I think it's a very interesting call and interesting timing who knows what happened behind the scenes but I don't I don't really understand why that seems to be the go-to fix (laughs) I totally agree and I think maybe it's 
pressure from investors or fans or kind of it's a way to show that you are acknowledging a problem and making changes. But it seems like team principles in the past couple of years have often been kind of these ceremonial symbolic firings when in reality, I'm kind of sad about this. I like Otmar. I think he had said after uh, Laurent Rossi got moved, he basically said he had a clear 100 race kind of plan back to the top with Alpine management. And he's only 30 races in. And I think it's a lot to expect one to kind of put it on one person. Oh, I expect after this short amount of time when I haven't even given you the full chance to execute that we had talked about that you were going to bring this car from lower midfield to the top. I think probably given McLaren's success recently, there's probably a lot more pressure kind of seeing what's possible, but I, t- I think Tiggy said it so well of just Ferrari's a perfect example. Firing the team principal is not necessarily going to turn the team around. It's so ruthless. Otmar's trajectory, like his performance last year, bringing Alpine into P4, beating McLaren in constructors. Excellent. Like I'm pretty shocked, honestly. The last couple races have had bad luck and bad results. Double DNF, that's horrible. But I'm really surprised by that. I, I really am surprised by this move. I think it's just so ruthless as a sport. I think more than any other sport, F1 really answers to the fans. And it's like you need to have the ceremonial Hunger Games-like tribute. <laughs> and the, the principal is the one whose name gets called, I guess. But um, at Alpine, they have like six tributes right now, which is, I know. <laughs> is so stressful. I feel like they should have at least kept one, kept one person in senior management for continuity. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is coming in. He's going to run yeah, it all. Like sprinting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, luckily, while the upper management was getting sacrificed, Gasly had a good race, looked very quick. He had one slow stop, but the tough luck came and he dropped out of the points. But on the bright side, Ocon was having or did have an amazing drive from a Q1 elimination all the way up to P8. Saved my hot take. Thank you, Akon. And he had some really good, amazing bold overtakes. <laughs> I think he just has these like beautiful moments of excellent, excellent driving that really shows kind of what a gem of a driver he is. I'm happy for him this weekend. For McLaren, we've already talked a bit about this, but tough day on Sunday. Oscar retiring at the start after his lap one. Lando was more of an interesting case. He strangely just had no pace yeah. at all. Could not keep up with the midfield. He was like getting past left and right, but he did make up for it towards the end with a great recovery, ended up finishing P7, which is very strong, all things considered. So that was great. He was definitely a little frustrated on the radio at the beginning. Um, But I think one of the best overtakes of the day was when he went around the outside of Logan Sargent. It was pretty risky, super impressive. I thought that was a really cool move. Um, I love overtaking on the outside. It's so cool to see. (laughs) It's amazing. And I think he made a Lando made a comment after too, where he basically said it was team strategy that even got him into P7. He was like, I maybe yeah. passed a couple people on corners, but with the straight line speed, he said it was all just strategy that even got him into the points. Nice. So cool. Yeah, it's McLaren's super the car is super interesting. It's very good in mixed conditions and in the rain. And then it seems to struggle a lot more in the dry, which they used a larger rear wing this weekend to help with downforce in the mixed conditions. But it seems like that higher downforce setup seems to have sacrificed their straight line speed maybe more than they expected. But interesting thing to watch going forward. Okay. Williams, incredible straight line speed. After the race, I always like to watch the race in 30 and the commentators had said that 
the Williams had the most insane straight line speed like six times in the first five minutes of those 30 minutes. So definitely a big talking point this weekend. It, Albon in the car looked like a rocket ship in the first stint. He had some amazing overtakes. The announcers did call it a rocket ship. Again, they were very excited. Sadly, it didn't convert into points, but I think there's still a lot of potential here. I think Williams has always had a little bit of that potential. They tried a three-stopper, which didn't pan out, and Albon said they were struggling a lot on the mediums with tire deg, but I think they saw what they could unlock. So I think if they can make some better strategy calls, we have a lot of cool things to look forward to for them. For Alfa Romeo, P12 and P13, which I guess kind of relatively speaking is a bit close to the points where they've been, but just such a dis- disappointing season so far. So really fingers crossed for them this fall, hopefully a good reset over break. And I would also kind of not be surprised if we see either some management shakeups, driver shakeups over break. I don't know. I kind of feel like we could be hearing something from that corner. I forget which one of you, it, it might've been Tiggy was saying kind of could Botas leave earlier yeah. than we expect. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if there is going to be a silly season shocker, either in kind of management or from a driver pairing, I could kind of see it being Alfa Romeo with yeah. the kind of the current situation. Yeah. And as they lead up to 2026 with Sauber and Audi, I wonder if they're going to want a few years to 100%. kind of get things set up ahead of time. Yeah. Be interesting. For Aston Martin, so Alonso was back up in the upper midfield. He was in a great mood. He was thanking the team on the radio. He finished P5, so that was good comeback on his birthday weekend after a very difficult Saturday and DNFing on for the sprint. Stroll was also in a pretty racy form. Uh, he had some racy strong, form. <laughs> so <that>. racy, <laughs> some strong overtakes. So. I know, Tessa, at the beginning, you said one of your takeaways was Aston Martin continues to kind of fall down the order. But I think they had a pretty good showing, at least on Sunday. And I'm excited to see kind of where they come back after break because I still think they're in the mix. I mean, they're still they're still I mean, points wise, they're definitely in the mix. But I do feel like they're slipping back, like just seeing the Williams just like go right past them (laughs) with that exact sound. I think it just (laughs) brought a lot into question for me. Um, I'm just happy it didn't start pouring rain because I think Stroll was one of the first people to pit when it was drizzling and went on to softs. And I was just thinking, oh, here we go again. For Alpha Tyree, Yuki was also in super racy form on the <laughs> first stint. And he looked um and looked like it was some of his best form all season. He had a P10 finishing finish um and I think just points for Yuki all the way. It makes us happy. On the other hand, Danny started at the back of the grid. He just could not make up ground. And his race engineer kind of was using, quote, like the dirty air to try to explain his lack of form. But Danny was, or he said that, quote, even in the clean air, he was having some issues and that they will debrief after. But um, I don't know. It's interesting to talk about Danny for a second because I think, and it's something that I want to talk about because we had a really great conversation with one of our followers about this, that... Danny does like everyone loves him he has great personality like we give him a lot of grace we're happy to have him back but I do think the pressure is probably higher than we than we than it seems on him that he like really needs to perform I think he has some convincing to do for a lot of people and so we need to see him be a little bit more consistent and and outperform yeah I think her point was really around like it seems like such a minority of people who are not happy to see him back. And she just wishes that more podcasts or content creators were kind of talking about the 
like how what how much he actually really deserves the seat from a skill yeah. perspective rather than just Needs a marketing perspective. It. And I feel like I've been a little bit skeptical about Danny since he's come back, but I do think at least the first race back, he impressed me. And I feel like what I've just continued to say is there needs to be consistency. And I don't totally feel like he's really at the skill level of like a top seat, but he seems to be holding his own to a certain degree, at least in these first couple of races back. So still more to come. Yeah, and we'll see. It's a great example of where your teammate is kind of such a good barometer and an important point of comparison here for Red Bull. And it kind of cuts both ways where it's a day like today, Yuki was looking really strong, really fast. And so that was a great example of, okay, Danny, in those situations, you've got to be beating Yuki if you're trying to show that you're fully back. And then it goes the other way too, where seeing if Yuki could kind of stack up against someone who Red Bull trusts, knows is a multiple race winner, with Red Bull. So I'm, I'm very interested to see that dynamic this fall. I think alongside Oscar and Lando, that's the pairing that I'm like most interested to kind of see side by side and Mm. how they finish the season. Because I think a lot of people have assumed that Lando's like the more mature, better performer, number one, but Oscar's really bringing it. And I'm interested to see kind of how that trajectory plays out and same with Danny and Yuki I think it's kind of unknown where it's going to shake out at the end of the season when all is said and done between the two so very interesting to to wrap up on the teams for Haas they got P13 and P20 not a lot to report here hopefully they can regroup over August come back for the American races looking pretty strong and everyone go get Gunther's book I started it today and it's really good (laughs) So for some news, I think the biggest headline of last week was F1 Academy. So for the 2024 season, each F1 team will be supporting an F1 Academy driver. So 10 drivers in total and will feature their logo on the livery. And then the remaining five drivers, because each team in F1 Academy has three drivers, so there are 15 overall. The remaining five will be supported by other F1 Academy sponsors. So Essentially, there's going to be like a Ferrari F1 Academy driver, a McLaren driver, et cetera. And we're so excited about this because securing continued support from F1 itself will just be so important for the series going forward. And it's also going to be co-located next year with a lot of the races. So the more the two series can be seen as kind of working, operating together, the closer they are, the better. So I'm super thrilled about this. Yeah, I'm super excited. I think this gives just F1 teams so much more buy-in the same way they kind of view their junior academy drivers or reserve drivers, where it really kind of brings them in these F1 academy drivers into the brand, into the family. And ultimately for these really competitive teams like Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, they have their logo on a car. They have investment in that driver, that car doing well. So I'm, I'm excited. I think it's an awesome idea. One thing I do want to see is I know Lewis and one of our followers pointed out to on DMs that Carlos had also posted about this development, but I had wish it had been from all 20 drivers. Oh, I really good. Hope, yeah. Yeah. I really hope going forward we see more kind of public support from the drivers. I hope we see them working with F1 Academy drivers, supporting them in the paddock. So I I really hope they step it up on that front. Yeah, and the only next step I think that is super important is getting these races streamed live so we can watch them. I know there was probably it was a little late this year to do it, and they mentioned some logistical challenges, but I think being co-located next year should hopefully make that a no-brainer. And 
I'm interested about the dynamic between the 10 F1 kind of sponsored drivers and then the five others. I think that's going to be kind of interesting where you have like a minority of drivers or one driver on each team that, you know, isn't affiliated with F1. I think that's kind of a strange dynamic. So I'm interested to see what that's like. Agreed. Last little piece of news before we give you guys the wrap up, the tire blankets will stay for 2024. So the FIA has announced that any potential ban on these blankets won't be implemented until at least 2025. As a reminder, people had been talking about banning them to align with the environmental and cost-saving objectives of F1, but Pirelli conducted some tests without the tire blankets, and I think there was just some safety concerns raised by the driver. So holding off on that, we love the tire blankets. We They kept us warm at the <laughs> when we were with There's them. me touching the tire blanket when we were in the McLaren garage is like one of the highlights. <laughs> they were so cozy and warm. Okay, to wrap up our radio of the week, as much as we loved the Max and Lambiasi radios, we felt like we had to give it to Danny this time. It His was, it just never felt like I had anything, uh, which was very sad after the race end. And it seemed true. For standings, drivers, we have Max at 314. We have Checo at 189, Alonso at 149, Hamilton at 148. They're one point away heading into summer break. Leclerc, I love that. Yeah. Leclerc and Russell are tied at 99. Ooh. Hot. And Science has 92, Norris 69. So lots of lots of close battles here. And for constructors, we have Red Bull at 503, <laughs> Mercedes Condition. at 247. There literally could be double or two of them, and they would still not be beating Red Bull. Dang. Aston Martin, 196, Ferrari, 191. So also getting very close there, and McLaren at 103. I'm so excited for some of these after summer break, I think. We've said this a million times, but even just the fight for P2 to P4 is going to be so fun to watch. Totally. Okay. The moment you've all been waiting for, the Patreon giveaway winner who had the best hot take and who will be getting a lovely Gunther Steiner book. It goes to Elizabeth Etherton because she just wrote the most beautiful silly season story. So here goes. Mick is going to go to Williams because Logan will be going to Haas because K-Mag will be out at Haas because he's going to be dad of the year instead. (laughs) Then Checo and Danny swap spots. Oof. And the idea of being demoted prompts Checo to retire and it (laughs) opens up a spot at AlphaTauri for Carlos to join the Red Bull family. (laughs) That is the hottest thing I've ever heard. I love it so much. I love that. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Um, and our runner up, which I also thought was kind of fun, it goes to Anne Crete. Uh, step one, Lewis retires at the end of the season. Step two, Charles takes his place in 2024. Very, very hot. Wow. Crazy. There were a lot of Lewis retirement hot takes in this, that which I thought were. was very interesting. So thanks all for submitting it. Congratulations, Elizabeth. You will be getting to read Gunther's memoir. <laughs> very exciting. Gonna be iconic. Can't wait to recap that one. This was sadly our last race for a month until the Dutch Grand Prix on August 27th. We will, of course, have other fun things coming for you all during the summer break. So talk to you all soon and hope you have an awesome August. Mm-hmm.